Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Ignorant Bliss. This is Julian Lyle, the host and creator. Um, I'm going to keep this sh- short and sweet. On this episode, I talked to Sean Pryor and our podcasting OG, Peter Rios, uh, one of the original hosts of Comic Geek Speak and now the host of the Daily Rios, um, about um, the idea of bar con. So like after a... Uh, a bit of a period where online certain creators were basically brought up on how their, 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 their interactions and the way in which they treat women and other creators trying to break into the business in the business and such exploiting them, sexually harassing them, all types of bad things. There was a lot of talk about the way, uh, Con, the way cons work and breaking into business and what's networking, what's the workplace. So since me, Sean, and Pierre have all been in this space of conventions, uh, we decided to talk about, you know, the nature of what BarCon is. And BarCon is essentially uh, the bar, the, the hotel bar, wherever happened place takes place after the main show of, of a day of a convention. So like where everyone hangs out at, you know, basically, essentially the after party of so- of sorts. And a lot of ways business is done there. Um, people break in there, people make relationships. And some of the ways in which people have been exploited has happened through this system. But also there have been creators and people online talking about that Barcon doesn't exist and 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 basically want to talk about this because I don't think it's actually really talked about that much. We've all had experiences. Uh, Comic Geek Speak was one of the first comic podcasts, one of the biggest ones, and it put a lot of people on. And that's where um, I met a lot of people, including Sean Pryor. Uh, And, you know, Sean's been out here pushing his work all this time, and and I have too. We've been to different ones. And then we just go on to talk about comic books and the industry and certain other things. But that's the focus of this episode in... You can uh, look at the show notes for links. Uh, some of these folks have been on here before. I hope you enjoy this and like, share, subscribe, all that stuff people say with podcasts. You can find podcasts everywhere. This, that, and the third. And I will holler at you uh, another time with another great uh, episode. Pieces. Hey, y'all. Quick punch in. I just want to say that um, there's some um, audio issues. And I couldn't really fix them, so I'm sorry about that, but I hope you still enjoy the episode and conversation. There you go. There you go. There he is. I'm here. I'm here. The great Peter. 
Peter Rios. <laughs> That's <Hey>. right. <laughs> I just realized where I'm at. You might hear my air conditioner go on outside. It's okay, it's hot as fire. Like yeah, July. Man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, man. You gotta keep you gotta keep that on, man. Like, look, no, you, you not nobody is suffering for podcasting family. We 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 got that newfangled podcasting where they got producers and writers and and Studio. assistants and studios and right. tables and editors. Man, I know my my laptop uh, is getting heated up sometimes. It's like, oh no, oh no, my twenty twelve MacBook Pro. Oh, what's going on? Oh my goodness, that's still the most wanted version of MacBook Pro. It has all the ports. Oh yeah, yes. yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Oh, <laughs> uh, I haven't talked to you guys in so long. I know, yeah. right? It's just been it's been a minute, minute. Yeah. You've been out there teaching uh teaching folks how to be actors and theater and stuff and remotely <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that discussion is still going on they just announced today that harvard you saw that julie you actually i saw it from you because you t- retweeted that thing thousand uh, dollars for people, online learning i'm like why are you going to harvard then yeah and the people in the responses, you know, sort of saying, well, I mean, shouldn't isn't that the value of education at Harvard? I'm like, the price has there's teaching involved, but there's also facilities, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, especially when you think of like my school, you know, like with or any art school, you, you're paying for facilities. Mm-hmm. You're paying for the stuff that they have. You know, think of painters, think of of dancers who got to get into a dance room, not just their bedroom or ba- or garage or, you know, right. so and then the lunch and the housing. And it, it's a lot more than that. Even with yeah. Harvard, like. I'm not in the class with these people. I'm not having lunch with these people. I'm not going to parties with these people. That's how the businesses are made. Right. Like Zuckerberg went to, he went to Harvard, right? I think so. Oh, I don't know. No, I think whatever, like all these people who go to Harvard and they drop out and make these billion dollar businesses. It's the reason (laughs) because they're all hanging out with each other all day, all night. So if I don't have the access to the networking, why? Why am I? Why am I paying you fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars? Right, boy. This is a familiar conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Zuckerberg went to Harvard from two thousand two to two thousand four. Yep. See, if I'm not. Yeah, yeah. And you say the networking is key, which brings us together. Because mm. it brought us together. It's Peter put out the tweet about Barcon because I'm guessing along with everything that's happening with like the sexual harassments and assaults and all that type of stuff is people are having dialogues about what Barcon is and what is the nature of, I guess, what's professional and unprofessional in comic books and the convention scene. Am, am, I, am, do I, am I got that right? Because right. Right. Yes. The, the, you're right. Like the conversation about uh, all everything that's coming out with creators in all different fields, whether they're editors, whether they're writers, artists, and this idea that uh, a lot of people are coming out that uh, mostly women that they've been groomed by certain creators to us to certain degrees. Some some 
through uh, unwanted advances, others through even harsher, th- you know, worse things like sexual assault, sexual harassment, um, and how a lot of it is pervasive throughout the comics industry, right? Like that's the conversation that really broke all of this. My reaction was to what Julian, what you're talking about is then there was this other discussion going on, mostly from people in the business of like, well, that's not what Barcon has ever been. It's not, it shouldn't ever be a place where uh, young and upcoming uh, creators come and rub elbows with people and get work and network. No, 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 that's not what Barcon is. Okay, that's fine if you want to say that now, mm-hmm. but but that's not what it was. I think I think you know uh, the uh, the underlying thing is okay. That might be what you're saying. Barcon should should be from now on. It should be a place of support. Blah blah blah. blah. But what it's been since you know my sort of outside perspective, and then and you and uh, Sean, you and Sean, like your inside perspective since 2006 when I started to really go to conventions. Yeah. Barcon absolutely was the place to be. So it's the rewriting of history that bothers me. Yeah, what are your thoughts, Sean? Um, as someone who's like been go- who's been ta- tabling and going to cons and being a part of this business, because I sure as fuck can't call it an industry, um, because it's all like that's just my opinion. That's another story for another time. Anyway, um. <laughs> I've always like, with the exception of like situations like, say, for instance, when like and Peter can attest to this, like the CGS super shows or the um, or like, say, for instance, when Pittsburgh Comic Con was a thing um, before the controversy and um, and like, you know, the CGS crew be like, yo, man, let's go to Pramani's and let's get some sandwiches and it'd be a bunch of us together just hanging out and catching up and then going back to the bar. But we would just be in our spot. You know what I mean? We would just be in our spot because the quote unquote pros would be in their spot, only letting certain people in to their spot. And it was all very segregated. You know what I mean? And and a lot of my Barcon experiences, it's like if I don't see people I know, it's like, yeah, there's a it might be a bunch of comic creators, but they're all white dudes. And like I don't know their names and they all look alike to me. And I don't know who half these people are. And some of them got, you know, big books or whatever. But like, I really, you know, it's like it's hard to like. It's hard to like try to com- try to communicate in those types of areas. So, you know, normally I just. I just stick with my crew, you know, or people that I know and we have conversations and we have a good evening, but it's still segregated. It's still immensely segregated. And like also, you know, you dealing with cats. That's really just, you know, some cats are there for, you know, for for one reason. Well, I shouldn't say something. Some cats are there for one reason. Some people are there to try to get that hookup. Other people are trying to get the hookup. And I don't in like those are two different hookup is being used in two different terms. Okay, like there's all these things going on. I just always felt that it always has been segregated because it's a business that's immensely segregated. And even with some of the small changes that's been having, that's been happening over like the last five years within some of the bigger publishers, like Barcon is just really like, oh, look at all these white dudes and a couple of white girls. Okay, whatever. 
You know, it's like I ain't never like and this comes from someone like, look, I don't mind having a good drink. Like, shoot, right now, this conversation, I got a good glass of wine right now, you know, and but like I never I seldom have ever felt comfortable unless I saw like saw a friend like a homie. You know what I mean? Like it's been other places you know, it's been other places I've been in my lifetime where like, you know, it's like, yo, okay, I don't know nobody here, but I can congregate and it's going to be okay. You know, but like being black and white spaces is like a whole different thing when it comes to Barcon. That's my, that's my take because motherfuckers will give you that look, you know, that look of what you doing here type look. I'm not saying it's everybody. I'm not saying it's everybody, but you can feel that shit. And like, it's one of those things where like, cause like a lot of white folks don't understand, like, like we, we, we sense and we know when y'all don't want us in the room. Okay. Like we know when y'all don't want us in the room. So, you know, because like we have to we have to pick up on all these invisible signals just to know just to just to be able to function within this society because the society is so fucking racist and and whatnot and biased. So like we have to be aware of all of our surroundings all the time. So we know when we're not welcome in certain areas or spots. You ain't got to say nothing and we know. You know, and there's also times where you could be with your crew at Barcon, and I don't mean to hog up the entire conversation. I'm just going by what's going through my head right now. Um, you could be times you could be at the Barcon, you could be with your homie or with a friend, and literally, like an editor or somebody will literally push you out the way to talk to that friend of yours. Mm-hmm. Here's an example. Um, I won't say the creator's name because I have, uh, you know, like I don't want to I don't want to put her in because it ain't her fault. It ain't her fault. But I was at Heroes Con a few years ago. Um, shout outs to Rico Renzi for inviting me to the show and getting me a table because now that Rico's gone, I'll probably never get a table again. Um, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> but uh, but anywho, we were at Barcon, the Barcon part. We were at the hotel bar and I was I was with my friend. And because she was a guest there and we were trying to, you know, just catching up because we hadn't seen each other like face to face in maybe like three years. OK. And there's a couple of our other friends and I was introducing my friends to her, you know, to, to her and like, you know, showing them her book and whatnot. And we talking about the creative process and just talking about, you know, the creative process of making comics in life. And there was this lady, this young lady in her like probably like mid 20s from um, Line Webtoon that literally saw my friend ran through I'm sitting on the couch I'm sitting on the couch I'm about to get up she runs through busts through the crowd pushes and shoves me out the way just to see my you know just to see my friend because she was so excited to talk to my friend and I'm and like and she pushed me out the way talked to talk to my friend for like five minutes and turned around and said I'm sorry I didn't mean to push you like that I just got excited and I'm just like this is it's fucking rude <laughs> it's fucking rude like, it's just rude, you know? And so, and then, like, she acted like she was going to give me a business card and be like, you know, well, if you got an idea, just pitch to me. And, like, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and like she started to put it out there, and then she you know, like, and then I, she started talking to T again and just slid the card back in her pocket. And I was just like, oh, man, like, and stuff like that has happened so much. It's just, just rude. Just completely fucking rude. And then you'll have cats that, like, 
that are within the business that you've met on a few occasions, you may not be the tightest, you know, you may not be that tight, but like, if you see each other on the streets, you'd be like, yo, what's good. But like at Barcon, you will, they will see you and you will see them and you will look them directly in the eye from afar and they'll just turn their heads and walk away. Oh, and man, that, I never had that happen to me. Oh, it's happened to me. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yes, that, that also happened here at, 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 at Heroes Con at the bar. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, 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 yes. So yeah. um, and you ahead, bring up Tom. a good point, Sean, too, because part of part of why we're, we're talking today, too, is the the it's not only about Barcon. I, uh, I put out that tweet. I said, I would love to hear from black indigenous people of color what their experience is for Barcon, because it's everything you just said. Mm-hmm. It's 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 that I that that idea of almost invisibility, um, uh, this idea that it's almost like not only do people have to it's almost like they have to wear their credentials on their T-shirt. Yep. But then you add the 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 additional layer of everything you're talking about. And that's why I reject the notion that people are trying to rewrite history that Barkhan was just supposed to be as as the the person who wrote it on Twitter they say uh you know and I guess they're saying you know I can only speak from my experience but it's a very limited experience if that's what they're speaking from I think where it says they say um there seems to be a perception that Barkhan is a place to get work from editors or otherwise network with various people with a view to getting work. That's not the case in my experience. I've always known it to be a place for people who already know work together or work together to socialize. That's not that's not how can you that's that's like okay so heroes con when everybody goes to the hotel lobby mhm mhm you can't separate the people who know and work together from the people who don't you can you can by clicks and by breaking off into the room or when you go to C2E2 or um, I'm trying to think of some of the other places where where there's like that one place that everybody goes, San Diego, you know, like they always hit up certain hotel. It's always hotel lobbies, really. Yep. You can't separate the professionals from the e, the up and coming creators or just the fans. Right. And relationships do get struck up. So yep. to say that it's sort of like this isolated thing. And and then what's the other comment uh, that they wrote? They say um, it says, you know, the con floor is the place for you to hustle. The bar con is where you should the the bar con is where you socialize with peers. And I sort of rejected that, too, because I was like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I've been to a lot of conventions and, you know, those pub those publishers, the talent scouts, et cetera. I I don't know if I've seen them walking through Artist Alley trying to look at the latest hustle. Nope. Nope. And you know, you brought up Super Show and 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 just knowing from from places like you said, like Pittsburgh and and Emerald City and all these other places I've been. There is a lot of work that comes out of Barcon. People talking and going, I want to work with you. We should do something. Let's create. So, of course, you have people who are not in the industry 
looking at this, overhearing this, and going, huh, maybe I need to be at BarCon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, um, I guess you could, to, to piggyback on, you know, what you guys have said. So, like, the first time I went to a convention as, like, an aspiring creator was 2004. I went to San Diego Comic-Con. You know what I'm saying? I shoot for the stars because back then, <laughs> you know, that's what they said. You That's the one you're supposed to go to. That's where everything mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I being broke, I got my little money together, got a plane ticket. My friend Ryan got his money together. He got a plane ticket. Our friend Mike, he got he, he was out. He was already planning. He goes out there to buy art. So he's like, yo, you come, come out there. I already got the hotel room. We straight. We going out there. And you're not doing any real business on the show floor. Even as an aspiring creator, you're talking to people at their at their booths, right? And even back in 2004, when it wasn't all movies and TV shows, when it was literally like mostly comics and art books and like art and video game, like recruiters and stuff like that, animation people, like they're selling product. Ain't nobody trying to take no time out of their day between the show floor hours to talk to you about work. Exactly. And they don't know you. Exactly. So back then, we didn't even know about the Hyatt bar. Right? Fast forward a little bit. By that time, Peter, I know you and the CGS crew. I'm talking to everybody on the forums. Mm-hmm. New York Comic Con, right? First one, uh, the hitter, 2006. Yeah, so we out here, and then you start talking to meeting people right there, and you start doing things. And at that point, my friend Ron was already working on the book, so I already I'm already tagging along on some uh, Ian Entourage with my friend. So like. That's a different beast as it is. So now you're at like the little DC party, which is a separate beast. But even at that party, yeah, it's work peers, but things are happening, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we found out a little bit of stuff because that's all our first t- Peter, that was like all our first time at the at a convention at that point, at that type of like not being like a regular person trying to buy stuff. Mm-hmm. So back right. then we didn't know like all the ins and outs and like you get into the daisy chain of the network of, yo, somebody's going to have a party over here. But then you, once you get into it, there was one time I, when I went back to San Diego, we found out about the Hyatt bar. Y'all, that changed the entire Congo experience. Mm-hmm. That was like the only reason I'm coming out here is to go to the Hyatt bar every night. Hmm. Right. The only You're reason. Right. You're right. It's worth the entire flight. That's 2007. I'm out there. We sit down there and we're like, oh, this is the top. We know where everybody's at. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm I'm getting introduced to Cameron Berger. I'm meeting a whole bunch of other people like, oh, Jim Lee over there drinking. Uh, oh, the Newsarama people over here. Uh, all the, the whole bunch of image folks is over there. Ben, this is right around the corner. 
And yeah, you got the looks, Sean. But also, there's some people that's like, if you've been going for a little bit, there's some people that know you, so the looks change up. So like, oh, yeah. who's that person? Oh, he dapping that person up? Oh, they cool? Let me go busting in their conversation. Right, let, yes. Let, let you yeah. know that like, I ain't got no work yet, y'all. But by this time, there's already the scene. I'm already learning some things about how this works. That the books that's going to be announced six months from now is going to happen after these nights at the bar and the post Eisner's party. (laughs) All the books that get celebrated the next year happen or the year after happen at that post Eisner's party. Mm. Does that sound any crazy to you, Peter? Because that like that's what I've noticed. Those award show parties in a bar of a hotel is where work is getting done. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, the two years that I went to San Diego, I, I actually didn't attend anything that had to do with like the Eisners. So I can't speak to that. But that that when you say it, it it kind of clicks something in my brain. So it kind of makes me go, oh, damn, that's yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's at a and, hotel and then just it's not even like a serious. Oh, it's a party. It's at a hotel. The Eisner's at one of the hotels, the sponsored mm-hmm. hotels. And then everybody comes out. And they just go to the hotel bar, the one that's still open. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And for that yeah. night, it's not the Hyatt bar that night because the people who don't care about the Eisners and who ain't getting Eisners are at the Hyatt bar. But the people who, who do, when we're there, they're at this bar. Mm. So, and that's, yeah. No, go ahead, Peter. Well, go ahead. No, I, I mean, and, and you know, you're, okay, so you're, you're both talking because, you know, you are, especially when we all met back then, 2005, 2006, and there's a very real, th- if, if there's anything that I, that I, that I get from listening to both of you on culture trapping or ignorant bliss is, is hustle, hustle recognizes hustle, right? And the game was, was, was open and fresh and young. I'm talking on our level, mm-hmm. not, you know, mm-hmm. and, and podcasting was new and, I, I'm really speaking again. I always feel like I have to put out my credentials because I'm, I'm getting tired of people who there's been a lot of discussion also about we need to support, uh, you know, certain demographics in this field. We need to rise up their voices. But a lot of times what I see is blue checks supporting blue checks <laughs> or or <laughs> if you don't have if you don't have enough, if you don't have the same Twitter followers that this other person does. If your ratio is like, oh, you're less than half of the followers that this person has, they're not going to support you either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so people probably, you know, I, I can I can tell when people are like, oh, what do they know that, you know, they they have less than 2000. What, what could they possibly know? What could I possibly know is that I know in one year our crew hit anywhere from seven to 11 conventions in one year. And I'm not talking about the small little hotel shows. I'm talking about we've been to Pittsburgh, we went to Baltimore, Heroes Con, Megacon, the first C2E2, the first New York Comic Con, mm-hmm. Mocha, SBX, San Diego, Emerald City, Planet Comic Con. I wrote a list. <laughs> Wizard World Philly, Wizard World Chicago, Den- mm. the first Denver Comic Con, 
and places like Fan Expo Toronto. And I even went all the way to Puerto Rico for a convention. <laughs> you sure yep. did. Oh, and note, and note, sorry about this, and note, those wizard shows that you're referring to is before it became a complete and utter clusterfuck. Right. Yeah, when it was actually a comic convention and it mattered. Like, right, yeah. it was in real Chicago out off the Rosemont before, yeah. before Reed, you know. So these are major conventions where we would have these big convention tours and we wound up getting invited to places like the Marvel party, like you said, Julie, oh, you said the DC party, right? But we're like yeah, the, Marvel the Marvel party. party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Image party, right? Or an indie, a whole indie group party or Devil's Do. You know, I remember in Pittsburgh winding up in a top in a hotel suite at a Devil's Do party, you know, like, mm. and I'm not in the game. I'm not trying to fuck with comics. I'm not trying to create comics. So my perspective is really, I'm not there to schmooze. Now, I'm, I might have been there because, you know, for the podcasting thing, but I was really there to go, oh, my God, this is awesome. Look, this person invited us. Let's go. We hang out. Here's other people. You know, this is how we met people like David Duange and Danielle Corsetto and and all these people who are now in the game, like Brent Schoonover and Dave Wachter and, um, uh, you know, Mike Norton and all these other people. So. So. It's interesting from my point of view to like be introduced to certain people because I'm outside of the game. And then, you know, as we're sort of casually talking, as you said, Sean, other people come up, interrupt, shake their hands. Like I remember Scott Snyder being introduced to somebody and I wish I could remember who it was. And like one of the first second things out of their mouths were, you know, we should do something together. So. I'm seeing it from sort of like that point of view of if this person on Twitter is really saying that Barcon is about the peers, then why are you opening up your Barcon so anybody can go? Why do you want strangers to be there that you, that aren't in the business? There must be a reason, right? Why, why, when I go to this party at the top of somebody in, in a, in a, somebody's suite, you know, that they just have somebody's hotel suite, there's creators, there's attractive people there. Of course. So it's, it, it, there was a very real sense that Barcon was more than just socializing Mm -hmm. with your peers. So even at, like you said, the Hyatt bar, I'm glad you said, I couldn't remember the name of the bar, the Hyatt bar, you know, like, so, so. I, I fully support that Barcon should change and, and it should be what you want it to be, but don't rewrite history. Don't rewrite my history right. of two, between 2006 and 2012 when I was hardcore going to conventions every year, big conventions, getting invited to dinners and parties. Like <laughs> I, there's, there were people there that I'd look around and go, the, 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 the ratio between the professionals and the fans or the up and coming fans was th- – was much bigger towards the up and coming creators and the fans and, you know, very few professionals. So I got kicked out of a image party, like a bunch of us, we walked into a random (laughs) dinner because someone told us, Oh yeah, come to this place. There's going to be an image party. And it wound up being a sit down dinner with Rob Liefeld and all of a sudden people were standing there like idiots. (laughs) Yeah. How was you supposed to know? How are we supposed right. to know? I think it was at San Diego. And then like somebody came up and was like, I don't think you belong here. And we're like, you know what? I don't think we belong here either. That to me is what this person is saying, you know, sort of 
very, very exclusive, you know, the same people together. But when it's when you're saying, hey, come to the bar, you don't have the right to also say, oh, it's just for a select group. Right. Yeah, it's is that even to even I question that because the nature of like what Barcon is that isn't told to fans when the convention goers, when you buy a, a an actual attendee pass and you're just going to a comic convention, you don't know anything about this. You only know about this because you're trying to no longer be a fan. You are an aspiring creator. So everything in your whole purpose of being at the convention is always a working motive. Your, mm. your intent is to get work and to know people to get work. So right. you're around other people and everybody's sharing information. The random cosplayer doesn't know, nor do they care about the bar. They got their own party or whatever the heck they're going to do. Watch an anime all night. Uh, costume content whoever knows what they're doing i gotta be honest i haven't been as a con as like a goer in so long i don't know what attendees do i only know what the game is doing so even saying that that it's like the tweet that you that you're reading me peter it it's it's like it's putting out either you're naive to what's going on or you're so closed off or you're playing games with people. Y'all get me like, no, I, I get you. There's get nothing you. about Barkhan and the support. And actually you can, you can throw in the parties and even some of those dinners. Cause you never know. Somebody can just get tagged along to a dinner. Happened to me. Mm. I never expect to meet people. Sometimes I'm just trying to get something to eat. Right. <laughs> right. You know, like, and going back to what y'all had said a little bit earlier about how, like, you know, that that person said that, like, you know, the connections are made on the show floor. Like, there is so much of a lie in that. Like, OK, but someone who once again, you know, like Julian, Julian has been in the game for. For, for a good period of time. I've been in the game for a good period of time, over a decade. OK, we've been in this for over a decade. I can attest to the fact that going to shows from at least, let's see here, from when I was really like, when I really started to understand that, like, okay, I can go talk to person X and let's see what person X says um, at a show to see if I can quote unquote get on right at, at the on the convention floor. From I started in two thousand seven, table and 2008, table and shows, and it was around two thousand ten. I was like, all right. I think I can talk to these folks and let's see what's going on. And so many of these people told me the same thing. Like, like you said, Julian, I, they don't have time to talk to you. They don't have time to talk to you. So it's like, they're like, you know, you could basically, you got to find another way to get on. And even if they gave you a business card, chances of them replying are slim to none. Like it's always going to be them them being the ones being that have the energy to say, oh, yeah, I really like that. All right. Come with me. Let, let's let's talk. Let's talk. But like if I go up, if I went up as professional as possible, show show the books, have the resume, 
didn't matter. Didn't matter. And sometimes I would get the sometimes I would get a business card and I'm like, all right, but I already knew off the off the bat I would not get a reply. <laughs> off off the jump, I would not get a reply. And so like you're like perfect example, um, New York Comic Con 2015. Um like I went up there because because I was going to be on two panels and I, you know, and I got my my pro pass. So I was like, cool, I'm good. I can get in there, I'm be, be all right. So I go and I'm like, okay, once again, like, you know, I got my, I got some books. Here's this is my resume. I got my work. So I'm like, yo, I'm hitting up as many publishers as possible. All right. And all those publishers I hit up, I was, you know, look, I was courteous. I was kind. I was respectful. And like, I was like, listen, I know this is a busy floor. I'm not going to try to take up a bunch of your time. I was just wondering who would I talk to in regards to sending samples of my work in order to get writing gigs. And there were a few people that gave me cards and said, this is the editor you need to talk to. This is the editor you need to talk to. And so I'm like, all right, cool. Everybody else was just like, you know, like the floor's too busy to do something like that. If you see me at BarCon or if you if you see me at BarCon, you know, hit me up. Let me know. We, you know, we might talk. But like all those people that gave me business cards, no reply, no reply, no follow through. And it's always been a thing of if they want you. They'll they you know they they personally at the show will come for you, mm-hmm. but if you go but if you go to them nah 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 nah. So my whole thing is is that if you tell me that the con floor is where deals are made and like or where or where you know like these relationships you know like where the, like these things happen, I'm like, well, that's a lie, you know. Like and they don't like say for instance like yeah like if. If I, I friendships might form, like that's where I met Mike. I met Mike Norton through 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 shows. I met Mike through the CGS shows, if I'm not mistaken, you know. And then over the years, like you know, I didn't know that like Mike went to school with Martheus Wade, and Martheus is our homie. And so like that built a little dynamic there. So every time I saw Mike, I say what's up, and we talk, you know, because we had a mutual friend. And it was um, what was C two E two. I can tell you right now, the only, the only deal, quote unquote deal that was ever been that with for me that had ever been struck on the convention floor was uh, C2E2. I want to say maybe it was uh, 2017, I believe, because I think that was the last C2E2 I went to. I believe I can't remember. It was 2017, 2018, whatever. I was there. Mar- Martheus was tabling with me. Mike Norton came through and he was just like why aren't y'all doing why aren't y'all doing any comics work you know like why aren't y'all getting gigs he's like i don't understand he was like he was like come on this is what i'm gonna do sean you want to write some backups for me for battle pug and i was like yeah and he was like okay no problem he's like it's done deal you know he tried to get martheus to be a part of it too and, um, you know, for new battle plug for image and like even that in itself, like took a year to happen. But like that was the that was the only deal that was struggling. The thing was, is that I knew Mike and Mike knew my struggle. Mike knew my struggle. He personally knew me and he knew my struggle with with the comic book business. So he was like, yo, man, I, I want to extend this, you know, this bridge out to you. And he let me write two backups in, you know, for his new battle plug that was published at Image in 2019. But once again, 
see, that was 20. I see those came out in 2019. So that's 12 years, 12 years of being at shows, 12 years. So once, but once again, they're like, you know, if, if it doesn't happen, if it doesn't happen, if they say it doesn't happen at BarCon, but it's supposed to happen on the floor, 12 years, 12 years to get that court, you know, to get that shot, somebody give you an opportunity. And it wasn't an editor. It wasn't a publisher. It was a creator that, and that was from formed from a friendship. So like, I don't really know what this dude, I really don't know what this dude is saying because like to quote, to quote Sean Carter, or is it Uchi Wally or is it one Mike? Is it Black Girl Lost or Shorty OU for Ice? I'm like, what is the truth here? <laughs> what is the truth here? Is this like, you know, because like, is he saying this for white folks or is he saying this for everyone? Because that's the whole thing. Where, what's the lens? What is the lens that this person is saying this from? Because, I think we know what the lens is. I oh, think I, oh, I know. Oh, I know. Yeah. Trust me. I, I know. Yes, definitely. Definitely. But that's the whole thing. When we, I'm talking about black people, I'm not talking about other people of color, I'm just specifically talking about black people. Every business situation we go into, doesn't matter the field, the area, the time, the place, doesn't matter. We have to observe everything and everyone. Okay? Period. Not just us, but we got, you know, like we have to observe everything and everyone. But like for like folks like that, a white dude, it's just the white lens. Our lens has to be focused on everybody and what every everybody is doing at once, because that is the only way we can survive. But for them, it's one lens, period. Sorry, I didn't. I, I didn't mean. I didn't mean the whole no, no. conversation. So, I Peter, I got a. I got a question for you because mm-hmm. on here, like, you got you went up going to this as a podcaster from the from around the beginning of actual podcasting, which is different from the way people think of podcasting now. Right. But it was also the time in which uh, comics web journalism actually began in terms of the blog era. Right. And the website era becoming the de facto news source and sites and how the nature of where this new burgeoning press outlet started mixing with the comic professionals and the publishers. Like mm-hmm. that's that's I think that's something that's not talked about and how that changed, because I think the comic industry as it was in the 90s. 80s up through the 90s was different once you get to like the early 2000s through let's say when uh shoot what was that comics alliance folded like okay that's a different that's a, like a, let's say that's a whole era right and before like podcasting became things spotify bought and uh Everybody started making like putting real money into it. Like that's a specific era uh, of comic books where like as much as the people were getting on, trying to get on and going to there, like the podcasts and the websites and the bloggers could actually make someone hot and befriend people at the shows and completely change the trajectory of a career. Oh, yeah. Which I don't think happens now at all. 
now it's up to Instagram and 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 Twitter followers and right. I don't know how successful it is in terms of a success rate in comparison to like a creator talking to all the shows and then right. doing all the blogs and the next minute oh you really popping like you're one of the main people right so what are some of your thoughts on on that because I because I think that's an entirely different facet of the barcon conversation that clearly I think people are leaving out and and not referencing as they again try to rewrite history I think you're right I think I think when social media really took over you know I, I don't know what year it is but I feel it's like somewhere between like 2011 2015 like when it mm-hmm. really started social media started to take the conversation and really go with it like especially after 2015 I think you're right like when podcasting was coming up and and all these news sites, um, social media still wasn't a thing, you know. Like, I I think I joined Twitter. What I think I think the CGS joined Twitter like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and I I can remember. Huh, I can't remember if it was. It might have even been like a MySpace page or something like that. Um, Brian's like, really, we're on Twitter now. I was like, yeah, we're on Twitter. You know, uh, <laughs> like it wasn't in the conversation yet. Twitter wasn't really part of that conversation. So, you know, my experience as someone who was collecting business cards, as Sean said, for a different reason, right? Like they were putting those cards in my hands. Why? Because they they saw that we were a viable outlet, especially when CGS was really big, like 2007, 8, 9, 2008, 9, 10, like when yeah. CGS was really big. And and I'm not talking, yeah, there's a lot of people who are like, you know, we're a big podcast, blah, blah. I'm talking CGS was big. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. We were getting emails from, from, you know, people, uh, oh, he was a, he was a programming director at one of the top seven networks. You know, I don't want to say which one, cause it'll mm-hmm. give it away. You know, like we were like somebody emailed and said, you know, this small group of Simpsons animators are listening to you guys. Like it's, it's, mm. it was insane. Right. So they looked at podcasting and this is probably where the conversation folds into creators trying to um, establish relationships that they shouldn't be establishing with women and girls and all that stuff who are also part of that field. This is where this conversation probably mixes a lot, but, um, they were eager to, to have relationships and to have, to get their point out there. Right. Like I tell this story all the time and, and it probably makes some people mad, but when civil war was going to run late, like around issue four, I think it was. And they knew they were going to have to push back all these books, right? At a convention, one of Marvel's uh, publicists came to me and said they wanted to use our podcast to to talk about why this was going on, right? Not knowing that one of our guys had an insider connection to Civil War's creative team and realized that the line that Marvel's publicist was telling us was different than from what actually was going on. And that's the reason why I walked away from doing the podcast for those comics, because I was like, they're trying to use our show to put out fake news. Mm. And, and we never did that. We never really, we never did that interview. I wound up doing something completely different. So they were eager 
to use podcasting and websites because they realized, like you said, there was an uptick in hits or, or not hits. There was an uptick in just sales. Um, it was a new way. Fandom had, was changing. You were hearing the voices of these creators. People were trying to get on our show. You know, and I'm speaking. So I'm I'm going to speak from my show, but I know that they were trying to get on other shows, too. You know, you could always tell when a creator was really wanted to get work out because they would be on like, you know, five different podcasts all within the same month. Yeah. Right. They'd be on your yes. show. They'd be on Round Comics. Right. They'd be on iFanboy. They might be on uh, they'd be on a uh, word balloon, you know, just to be, be honest, like that was the. That was a scene back then for people who don't know who just come to podcasting in the last five years ago. Ten years ago, there was like seven. Yes. And everybody went to those seven, and the conversation was a little bit the same or a little bit different depending right. on the host. Right. And, yeah, like you just – you can get hours and hours of content. You will learn so much about these people. So even then, as an aspiring creator, you will walk up to a person – and you're like, yo, you don't know me, but yo, I heard you on X, Y, and Z. And then, hey, you, I, you know, to be transparent, somebody like me is like, yo, I know Peter and Brian. Yo, I know, I know the guys at the Round Comics. Like mm-hmm. they the homies. You check the friends list. <laughs> like, <laughs> check the comic space. Yeah, check the comic space. <laughs> like I'm there. Like. So and, and and I think that was a whole different. It's a whole. It's like a. It's like an add-in when you're getting like a milkshake or something. It's like a whole new thing. Like, oh, that changed the whole dynamic uh, of how everything works. And and the dynamic of like when you're at the bar con, like, who am I going to reach out to? Who do I might know from like a message board or that show? And uh, and knowing you guys might be an easy in because like you guys were so welcoming, right? So it's like, yes. oh, you're a listener. They'll come up to you in the show because you guys are walking the floor, and then you might see them later because they like found their way into the party. You've already been invited to the party because a third of the creators been on your show and you didn't help sold like how many tens of thousands of books for them. And they can walk over to you and say, oh, hey, people. And you're like, hey, I remember seeing you earlier. Nice to meet you, blah, 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 blah. Like, and, and the whole thing is that, like, what was the intentions of that person to begin with? So, like, right. when, when I started, when a lot of this stuff started happening and people started saying, like, people shouldn't act like this because it's work environment. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. The work environment is the show floor. Bingo. When you when you when you leave that show and you go to a spot that becomes like a happy hour or whatever, yeah, you might be chopping it up and making deals, but this ain't work no more. Right? It's social. It's a social. It is. It's alcohol. You're not at a work. This isn't work because you all don't work for the same people. Y'all are freelancers. And what is all the intentions of everyone involved? Who? Why is everyone there? To go back to the original tweet, that person might go to the bar con literally just to see the people they know, buy a couple drinks, talk about the day they had, whatever goofy things they want to talk about with the people they know. 
big name creator might literally be coming to Barcon because the ed- their editor is like, yo, after the dinner that we have to go take, we got to go have, right? Come meet me over here. We're going to get a drink. We're going to talk about X, Y, and Z. Aspiring creator A found out and is here to meet some people and cut, and cut some deals or, or get on. Befriend some people, hang around, listen, become a familiar face. And you know what? Press person over there might only started writing about comics so they could write comics. Because we all done seen that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You can smell that. And then let's be real. There are people in the industry who are going to Barcon because they want to try to get their dick wet. Hey, 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 it is what it is. And I think sometimes people got to know where they're going and why. Right. Because people were trying to like, that's the thing. Again, I'm speaking from my perspective, like Barcom was exactly what you were saying. People knew that I had a viable outlet that was going to help them. Right. So it's kind of funny that, you know, like for someone to say, oh, you know, Barcon is isn't about the schmoozing when all all it ever was for me was schmoozing towards me. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to pump myself. I'm just saying, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I listen to CGS or I my friend, my my collaborator was on your show. I would love to talk to you guys. I would love to promote some books and get on there. Right. Like, yeah, they're being friendly, but they also know that it's a viable outlet. So so to say that the, there is no mindset of schmoozing at Barcon again, it's just, it, it, it it all just goes back to you, you can't generalize a comment like that because everybody's perspective is different, like Julian just went through mm-hmm. and. And all the reasons for why you're there is, I mean, even SPX had a prom. They still do. Yeah. What does prom connotate? You know, like if it's not a social gathering, then you can't call it a prom because that's trying to put something on top of what Barcon is, you know, like I, and, and that's what I think. And you're right. Like, the game has changed. I haven't been to a major convention in a long time, not like you guys. So the the game has probably changed. Culture has changed. Life has changed. And and people need to people need to really check what who they are in these kind of situations, because alcohol doesn't make a person a jerk. It just amplifies it. Right. So. So the idea, the notion of Barkon absolutely probably has changed and definitely will change from here on out. But but this person's experience and and I feel like their timeline is very similar to my timeline. Um, uh, it's, it's just sort of disingenuous a little bit and, and kind of and, and again, it's. It's everything they're trying to say when all these stories come out. They're like, how do people, how were people blind? How did they not, why aren't people calling out these creators that are acting this way? You know, they're putting blinders up and, and they're cultivating, they're, they're sort of excusing and allowing it. Well, you're kind of saying the same thing. If you're trying to tell me that Barcom was never this way, Mm -hmm. you're trying to make excuses Mm -hmm. for what Barcom was and wasn't. It's the same conversation. So own the, own it. Own it that these things happened, you know, 
Own it that these things happened at a comic book legal defense party and own it that these things happen when stories come out about like Brian Wood and all these. Where do they always happen? At the bar con or after. Yeah. yeah. So don't try to rewrite history. Yep. Because stuff with stuff with Jason Latour, you know, a lot of it happened at Barcon. You know, he was talking to that one lady, one uh, young lady's like, well, don't you know who I am? I'm like, first off, you look like every third white dude at a convention and you got really got some damn nerve to say some shit like, don't you know who I am? Folks walk around like they goddamn Morris Day. What the hell? Yeah, I'm, and I'm like, you ain't close to Morris Day. <laughs> ain't, ain't even close. Ain't even close. Uh, who the you know who the hell I am? Oh please, y'all can't even dress talking about who y- who y'all is. Come on, that yeah. that took me out. I was like, yeah, man. I'm like, there's like there's like fifty eleven dudes with with like plaid shirts out here looking like looking like you know like these sponsor bounty bounty paper towels. Man, I ain't dealing with y'all. Come on, man. Looking like lumberjacks. I know. Come on. No, you ain't got no, no. Do you know who I am? Yeah, you look like them other 35 white dudes I saw at the con today behind the table. <laughs> no, but yeah, Peter, actually, when you said like you haven't been to a major con, but I could tell you the last time I've been to a major con was two years ago. And and guess what? It was the exact same as it's been the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Ain't nothing changed. The people mm-hmm. throwing the parties are different. Where they going to go is different. Last time I was at New York Comic Con, we we all, me and the homies, we decided, all right, one night we're going to hit up all the joints, right? Hitting up all, all the parties. We was out all goddamn night. Still had to go back to the con the next day. We went to five different places in the city. Because this is New York Comic Con. So unlike other cons, since New York is New York, they actually spread around the world. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, right. Unlike other cons where everybody's kind of focused in one area and like that's it. Now, nah, not New York. People actually know where they they know where they at. They can actually go around. And, but it was the exact same. I'm seeing different people at different parties, but in the end, I saw everybody at the party. And then guess what happened? Everybody ended up in one party at the end of the night. I think it was the Marvel party. And it was packed. And there's stories on Twitter right now about stuff happening at that party. Mm. That's how many people was in that joint. Same thing. Why is all those people there? Everybody was even at the previous parties. Like y'all going to the Marvel party? Y'all had to heard this before. Like when you at something, it's like, yo, you going to X X Y Z? Like where that at? Oh, that's down right. the way. Like, yeah, I guess I hit that up after I go to this one. Oh, I said this bar. Where? Text me. Text me the address. Why am I going there? Why am I going there at, at twelve thirty in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> Now, I know why I'm going there. I'm going to see some people. And guess what? I might run into some people that I might be introduced to that maybe after so long, maybe I'll get a shot, right? That hasn't happened, but I'm going to give it a shot, right? And how is that any different than what, what, it, what it's always been these last 15 years? Yeah. And you know what? It's these parties... It's not even about like, it's not even about like sort of the level of like people getting in the business, uh, comic creators. I know of two instances personally that I witnessed or was part that had happened to me of uh, actors at these 
things. Um, I'm pretty sure it both happened at Pittsburgh, so I don't know what that means about Pittsburgh, <laughs> where one actor of a very successful reboot of a sci-fi show took me in a headlock because he was drunk and and like gave me a noogie on my head and and like was saying some crazy shit and everybody's <laughs> laughing because he's drunk and he's a semi-popular he's guy yeah. at the time, mm. right? Or Or the actress who was inebriated and came up to, I'm fairly certain it was um, Steve Bryant and like landed on him because she was like, she had like run out of the, the, the entrance way of wherever this, the, wherever the bar con was there Mm -hmm. and, and said something, I forget what she said, something, some actor, she said something like end scene. Like she was trying to, almost like she was trying to do a a scene or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then walked away. Exactly and that is, I know exactly who that is. <laughs> so do I. I don't want to say another yeah. actress in a, another genre movie that became a TV series. Um, and she, you know, she was she was out of it. So, like again, they are going to these after-hour parties because there's a point of view of what these after-hour parties are. It's not this like it's not this wholesome thing, you know. I'm not, and I'm not trying to make it sound like they're decadent and wild. And I'm also not trying to excuse them because they shouldn't be that way. I get it. I get that conversation. What I'm trying to say is you're mixing a lot of different personalities who all are coming with different point of views and different goals and different ulterior motives because some people do just want to go and unwind before they got to go up to their room and do 15 convention sketches, you know? And they're just there because they just need to chill. And there are friends who are just meeting up to be friends. And there's podcasters over there. And there's the DC people over there. I get it. The Bendis Forum, they're over there. You know, like, I get it. But that's a lot of mix of personalities. And that's a, that's a, it's a recipe. It's a recipe where shit's going to go down every now and then. And a lot of people you don't actually know. You yeah. think yeah. you know there's them because you, you talk online. A lot of trust with people you don't know. Yeah, you just met them online. You don't know these people. Right. I could work with a person every day for for three years, and I'm like, I don't know that person for real. I don't know why these people think they know somebody just because they're friends on Twitter or Instagram or even a message board. Yeah. You don't know these people. You've never been around them. Or if you have, you've been around them for two days, once a year. You Like... Like, it's it's weird. Like, the thing with the Warren Ellis stuff that came out. Allegedly, you know, that there he had a whole forum. He had a whole community built yeah. up around who around he was. Him. He had the and, audacity to say he wasn't famous. Oh, man. Don't even, sh- that that would come My on, bad, man. Peter. It's just that that part. It was blew me. He had the audacity. I was going to bring it up because I remember you talking about it. But like but we know people, the three of us know people who were in that community. Mm-hmm. Right. Why didn't they say something like this is this is what I mean about it. You got to be real careful about who you're trying to call out and saying, well, why didn't they try to rat out their collab? Why aren't they trying to call out other men or whatever? Because you sat in a forum in a cult around a certain comic creator for years and there was no secret that he was doing this. There was no secret that he was, you know doing this whole like like whatever they want to call it like being sexual with with some of the female forum members or whatever like that's that wasn't a secret 
So when it came out the way it came out, and rightfully so, where were all those people who were part of that forum? And why, why, you know, they want to call everybody else out and say, hey, why aren't you trying to get Scott Lubdell fired? And why aren't you, well, why, why didn't you, why aren't you pointing the finger at your own group that was cultivated around this creator and everybody knew this stuff was going on? You know, and the person that, you know, I remember, I remember Warren Ellis, he wrote some stupid thing about podcasting. Mm -hmm. That was the only thing, that was the only thing it took for me to never talk about Warren Ellis again on the podcast. Mm. That little piece of shit, you know, article that he wrote about podcasting. So if you know these stories are going on, but yet you're still part of the forum and you're still part of this cult you are just as responsible. So don't try to tell, you know, it, it's, it's, it's glass houses, throwing stones, glass houses, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, and, and, and I'm not trying to put myself up on a pedestal either. I'm just trying to say the conversation, I get, I get real itchy when I see the conversation only go one way, you know? And it's like, mm, I think you better look in your own house and your own, into this comic industry house because there's obviously there's a lot more going on. I mean, stuff is coming out all the time. Yeah. So. It's a heavy topic to go through. And I do think to me, I don't think it this could mark a change in how things happen and operate. It's got to. But yeah. like people supposed to wear masks outside when they go outside, but they ain't. So I have this feeling that's when people can go outside again, once people can go to conventions again, they're going to wild out. The yep. same stuff is going to happen. Now, the question is, though, even if the same stuff happens, will folks be vocal about it? We'll you got see. To. You got to. I mean, like, you know, to bring it back to your whole original point about, about, you know, people of color and just voices being amplified. Like, I love that. Uh, um, oh, I can't remember who it is now on Twitter. Is it is it Joseph Village? Is it where he's got that little calendar? reminder? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the calendar. Yeah, he's got the calendar five yeah. months from now. Like, same thing with all these other people. Like, okay, you're saying that you want to create spaces and and voices for for uh, or spaces for new voices. Okay, well, you know what? That's got to also be part of the culture, too, meaning these conventions have to start putting people in Artist Alley and publisher booths. And publisher booths need to start bringing in different people and spotlighting those people. And conventions, you know, do we really need another Neil Adams panel? Like, let's look at the up and coming creators. Let's, let's spotlight these people. Like that's, see, everybody's thinking it's only about the book, right? And, and it is, but what about the editors? What about the people who are in charge of making these books? Like you have to, the spaces have to open up every, see, I'm, I'm having the same conversation with theater. Don't tell me that you just want to next season, you're going to do the color purple and you're going to do in the heights and you're going to do, you know, once on this island and that'll solve the problem. Who is directing? Who's the who's on your board? Yeah. Who's who's the artistic director? 
Yep. Who are you casting? Not in the color purple. Who are you casting in Music Man? You know, Oklahoma. like Oklahoma, Oklahoma, <laughs> you know, to bring it back to watch. Yeah. <laughs> so the same thing is with comics. They run the same. These are about products that are being made. And it's not just about the pro- the end product. It's about all the 15,000 stages before it. So open those gates wide because otherwise you're just blowing smoke. Yeah, it's, it's all... It's all BS and lies. It's placating. It's just the same as you putting up a, a, a Instagram image with black text, but black black background, white text saying, you know, blah, blah, blah. We believe in this black. That's why I responded to that DC one. Like, can I pitch though? Like, exactly. Like <laughs> all that you talking about, but, yeah. uh, like, you know, yeah. if you can have death metal Batman all goddamn time, like, let me let me get my can I get a uh, rapping flash or something? What shit? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, like you can't be sitting here talking about putting out these posts talking about Black Lives Matter. I'm like, come on now. Like y'all only hire black people that have written for television, been New York Times bestsellers, write for animation, or like is somebody that's been like in the game forever, like a Christopher Priest. You, you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, yeah. you, you know, so it's like, yeah, like I hear what y'all trying to say, but like what you're saying and what your actual intentions are, are two different things. You know, I mean, let us not forget that uh, with with D.C., that writer's program, you see how quickly that disappeared. Um, yeah. yeah can, can anybody tell me if it still exists? I don't think it still exists. I haven't I seen it. It does either. You know, so, you know, and so. Yeah, man. It's like all that stuff is empty. You know, like it's all empty if you don't have actions to to follow to follow up with these words. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Like the DC Comics, the milestone stuff ain't even dropped yet. Like and finally, like, you know, like I know Reginald Hudlin made an announcement a couple weeks ago and there was there was some word about it. But but still think about it like that's not even like up and running yet at D.C., you know, like that's just been like in the back burner in the back for how long? You I know, that's because people they own it. And it's, I, I I'm I'm more thinking about like thinking about like um like Wildstorm. Like if you think about Wildstorm, oh man, it was a book. It was a it was a lot of titles that had a very diverse set of of, of teams and casts and ideas. Yes. yes, and it also had some of the most diverse people making the books. Right, but and you know, Storm, people want to say Storm, the '90s was trash. No, man. Even though it 90s had got, great stories, but yeah. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, I can't, I can't keep. No, no, that's all good. Oh, like it's like you know, right. Alan Moore was out there working. You you had people like I remember. Um, you guys remember the show came on Sci-Fi Channel? Like uh, it was like about comic books and they had like these kids. Ah, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but like they used to do shows about comics yeah. way early, like in like '93, '94, or '90, '95. Mm-hmm. And it's like that was the first time I saw black people that draw comics. Yeah, man. And I was like, they ain't work at Marvel. They ain't work at DC. They worked at Wildstorm. Wildstorm, and then that's the whole thing, man. Like Wildstorm employed like mad black people. So when like Jim Lee sold it, I'm like, yeah, Jim got that check. But like then the work for black people, like that's that's like a lot of black folks lost their jobs. You know what I mean? 
like a lot of like a lot of that shit dried up when Jim Lee sold it. And once again, I understand Jim get your money, you know, get your money. But when that happened and he sold Wildstorm to DC, that shifted so much for us. Yeah, like it's it's a, it's an interesting thing on how comics have to deal with the uh, fixing the issue by diversity. And also dealing with the diversity of, of the fan base and the material they put out. Because I think a big major thing, even this doesn't connect to it, but I think it did bring a lot of people into comics, was that manga boom and, and, and bookstores. And, boom, and the bookstore boom in the uh, early 2000s. I think there was a bunch of people who got into comics and a lot of it's from reading, sitting on the floor of a borders and reading manga. And I think a lot of people at the time made jokes. It's like, oh, these people don't read comics. I think those people moved right on over and then you got a whole you have a whole new generation is also asking for different things and the comic industry is not responding mm-hmm. and people don't feel welcome in these spaces so mm-hmm. as much as like us three was able to get into these bar cons and these parties and walk around and meet these people there's a bu- there's a bunch of younger people who never had that experience never felt welcome in that world and either decided to do everything on their own or they gave up. Somebody got scooped up by these book publishers like the Simon and Schusters and the Penguins. And but overall, some of these some of the the institutional culture of comics and how it works hurts comics. So uh, this 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 reckoning that's going on does have to enact actual change in how comics work. Or I don't think the comic industry as we know it will be here anymore. Right. And at the same time, I wonder, like, but the thing is, like, they've been acting this way for so long. Like, I really feel that a lot of it just doesn't care. And it's just like, this is who we are. Why should we change for you? Hey, man. Life is Ivan. Hey. (laughs) Just. I mean, they have the opportunity to totally, completely revitalize everything with the way the world is right now because mm-hmm. of being, you know, in the quarantine or whatever. Julian, you brought up you brought up Book Expo. Uh, have you ever been to the Book Expo in New York? No, I've seen it, though. I no Brian and I went. We went we got invited one year. I think it was like one of the first years that comics really started to, like, take a hold. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure it was at the Jack. Uh, now that I say it, it might not have been, I forget. But anyway, so we walked through BookCon and, you know, they dump you with, we walked out of there with bags of books, like not even just from the comic publishers, but other publishers too. Mm -hmm. But you couldn't walk down an aisle without somebody popping open champagne and pouring some, you know, come, come in, come in here. Like, again, to kind of talk about that larger picture of, of what is and what isn't what is and what doesn't happen on a floor or elsewhere. Like there it is, BookCon, right out in the open, just getting people lit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Book Expo's no joke. Like I um when I was when I was like helping Action Lab, um, like a f- years ago, a few years ago, when Book Expo was in Chicago, they asked me to go 
um, run their table because they just didn't have anybody that could run, run the table during that date. And I was like, yeah, sure. So this one, it, you know, it's like, here's book, here's book expo, book expo runs for X amount of days. And then it becomes book con. Okay. And so, yeah, man, like, so I would be able to take breaks and like walk around and like, yeah, like people are giving out, you know, free books. Like folks are waiting in lines to get like, um, uh, what do they call like reader advanced copies before stuff like actually hits the market and get yeah. them autographed like and like galleys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like, um, and then on top of that, like, like Peter said, you know, folks getting like, you know, depending on where you, what booth you went to, you might get that wine. You might get that cheese tray. You might get that nice fruit that like you can't get at your grocery store. You know what I mean? Like you could get all that. Oh, look, here's Kenny Loggins by school bus singing Footloose for some reason. Oh, that's right. He just dropped a kid's book. And it's just like, yo, it's, just, it's it was, yeah, man, it's, it's a whole different, it was a whole different experience, but, but yeah, like, yeah, folks was definitely getting like fired up for sure. Um, for sure. Yeah, man, it's, that was, that was an experience I will never forget. Like between that and ALA, the American Library Association show, um, cause I did that last year in Washington, DC, because they were like, okay, we want to we want to incorporate more comics, so we're going to have a quote unquote artist alley, and so I got in, and so like artist alley is like near the back, but you walk through that show, man. There's folks serving drinks. There's folks that got the nice food. You got like everybody, you know. Once again, lining up for them free advanced reader copies, advanced arcs, so they can get them autographs. Like all types of publishers there. Like you know, all just yeah, man. Yeah, it's 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 definitely an experience that like I will never, ever forget. And like people expect free people expect free, period, at them shows people. That's all. And then once again, a whole different story for a whole nother time. Yeah. But people expect free. But uh, but, but please, I, I, I sorry. Continue. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I derailed that conversation because, Julian, you're right. Like the, you know, comics are always slow about recognizing where their next audience is. Right. By the time they they realize, oh, it's over here. Like in the early days of of web comics, oh, it's all by that. By the time they realized it, it's already gone. Yeah, you know, or or Tumblr, or um, uh, just recognizing like even comic stores are the same way. Like the whole industry is late to the game always because we're working on the back foot because the people in charge are too old, too white or too limited in their point of view to realize what it is the the industry needs, you know, from, from, from the bottom up. And there's been a lot of safe spaces for the wrong people. So now we got to open it up and get more voices in there who hopefully will speak up when they're not getting recognize when they're not when they're not getting equal pay when they're not when they're facing harassment you know and no more of these companies going all right you know scott alley got all those accusations but we're going to tuck him away in a private little office or whatever he's going to work from home for 10 more years and still do what he does you know like you can't do that you just can't do that anymore yeah yeah that's a whole that's yeah. a whole mess and then you that even connects to the whole Barcon thing because when he first got outed, it was because of actions he did at 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 a at a bar party. Mm-hmm. Yep. And people just hit they just just kept it. I don't even understand that shit. Like 
Like that doesn't make it, that none of that made sense. Like none of that. It's like to me, it feels at times that comics once the people inside of comics don't they don't know how the world works. So like going even back to what you guys said about the other conferences, it's like a work conference. People expect to get free food, maybe a little drink. They're going to party afterwards. But a, a comic convention is not that a comic convention, an anime convention are, are marketplaces is regional marketplaces to sell wares and to announce products. And I like I don't know if uh that's actually been communicated in that sense almost like I got into an argument on Twitter when a friend of mine wrote some stuff and then I was basically arguing that small press or independent people who come up with a with a comic property should think about their comic property as a business. And essentially, I was saying what people need to do is when they when they come together to make this property, they might have to start putting in morality clauses into the agreement. Hmm. And then, you know, uh, I'll be honest, these white people online was trying to tell me how comics doesn't work that way. <laughs> and... It's about, you know, ideas and creative. They were basically talking to me like, I don't know what I'm talking about in comics. Now, the person that made the initial tweet, I've known for 15 years. They're in comics. I'm in comics. We both know each other in comics. We have real-ass conversations all the time. These people were talking to me like I'm just some random person. Probably, as Peter said, I don't have 10,000 followers. I don't have a blue check. Because in my head, if I'm a blue check, I'm an actual celebrity. Why do I need a blue check for? Right. But, and then like, I was like, yeah, man, I've been doing this for like, I've been in out here like 15, 16 years. And it was like, well, just because you, you've been here doesn't mean you have your experience. I'm like, that's how experience works. Right. <laughs> and that doesn't change the fact that like, what you're saying, all right, but what I'm talking about is what needs to change. And what needs to change is, if I make a, if me, Mr. Artist, makes a comment with you, Mr. Writer, I don't want to get hit flat-footed, and neither does the letterer and the colorist and whoever else, that just because you messed up and you made bad decisions, now all, all our work go out the window. Mm-hmm. Nah. That, that That is some smart-ass thinking, Julian. You people don't think like businesses, man. Nope. I grew up on rap music, Peter. I think like a business all the time. It's capitalism. That's how it works. <laughs> like, okay, let's let's. So one of the things I'm doing, Julian, is I, I went back and listened to a lot of your earlier podcasts that I missed. Oh, thanks. Um, and you had, uh, I'm going to say his name wrong because I don't have it in front of me. Uh, is it Ramon Villalobos? Is that yeah. his name? Yeah. And... He had that happen to him. Yes. Yes. So he's out of work because his writer was a piece of shit, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Which yes. affected how he worked on the next project with a person who then, after all that BS that Ellis put out about Wildcats, about why it didn't get done, guess what we find out? Oh, you was out here 
being just as trash. Yes. So yeah, yeah, man, yeah. He was, he was, he was hit flat footed. Ramon right. was just knocked because he really believed in that book. Right, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to speak for him because you know I don't know the story. You, you yeah. probably know more than I do. But you, what you're saying is a perfect example because that entire, cre- if that clause was in there, that entire creative team could still be working with someone else or just within themselves. Yeah, to continue, and, and that. And that because that stain goes with him because there's a lot of gatekeeping motherfuckers up here. Mm-hmm. So they they may try to associate him with that stuff. Yeah, like he knew. Right. And like that's your I you know, this again, it goes back to theater. You know, we're having this conversation we've been having this conversation in theater for a long time. And it's on it's it's really on the TV networks and HBO too, where they have this new intimacy coach and these new intimacy clauses and things like that because because you your work you know this this is different obviously but i mean when you're working in an art like that close in 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 some kind of art form you know like you have to have people who are aware of how to handle certain situations when you're asking actors to get intimate with each other right Uh, and a a comic book collaboration I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to compare it, but you know, but you're exactly right. That morality clause is smart because their entire project gets derailed. And, you know, as freelancers, which I'm a freelancer too, when you, when I lost the, the show that I was supposed to direct at the beginning of the summer because of the pandemic, my budget has to completely change Mm -hmm. for months. Mm -hmm. So you're putting all these people out of work and they should be held responsible. That, I love that. I, that That's like when what's uh, uh, Frances McDormand went up and won that Oscar and she said two words, inclusion writer. Yep. yep. It's, she outed that like that, like she put that out there. I don't mean to say it in those terms. She put it out there. I'd never heard of that. But she put it out there and all of a sudden, what did you see? Articles and articles about people starting to put inclusion writers out. Yeah, because people did, didn't know, especially the younger people. That was like, oh, for real? Oh, I got the juice? Oh, yeah, when we make a project, you need to hire X amount of these people at my inclusion writer. Oh, we're not making right. anything. And right. the, the, here's the thing, and that's what that's what hit me when I was having that Twitter back and forth. These white dudes are the establishment. They like the way things work. Right. It benefits them the way things have worked and going to work. Yes. What I'm talking about is systemic change. Now, even when you go with a book like that, that, that came out through DC. DC can put, they can put for damn sure a morality clause in those contracts. If they could put in something where like they get first rights to option all this thing through freaking Warner Brothers, they could put a morality clause. Yep. And, I, and I'm not going to sit there and have people tell me how that goes against creators' rights. You know what goes against creators' rights? You write. I draw. I'm doing 75% of the goddamn work. Now I mm-hmm. can't eat. <laughs> nah, bro. Yep. They're not going to sell my book anymore. I right. can't sell these pages anymore. Like and and you now have to go to conventions or meet other people, and there's always going to be a question in the other person's mind. Did you know about that? Yep. And then also yep. again, the letterer and the colorist. Yes. No one thinks about them. 
No, not at all. Not a lick. They make the least amount. So yeah, if somebody does hear this, if if this goes around, I'm saying out and people are stealing from me. But it should they should steal it. But I just want to know what started here. These when you make an image book out of any of these books, if I'm an artist, nah man, I'm going to a lawyer. I'm getting morality clause put in. It's gonna work for you too. If you find out I'm doing some terrible things, it is what it is. Replace me. Mm-hmm. But this whole the writer has the idea, so you can't get rid of them. Nah, bro, you ain't come up with none of the costumes. Nope. You how this look? Nah, bro, you gotta. If I find out you out here freaking trying to scoop up freaking high school girls like you, Matthew McConaughey. In 1982 or some shit. Now nah, I gotta kick you out, bro. Not the real Matthew McConaughey. I don't want people to take that the wrong way. The character <laughs> in the goddamn movie that I can't think about where he coined the phrase "all right, all right, all right." I'm talking about Days and Confused. Days and Confused. You know, I want people to get. I ain't gonna remember his character name. He Matthew McConaughey, man. But people understand what I'm talking about. If you out here doing that, I should be able to kick you off the book. I got your notes. You signed away <laughs> your rights. When you did the fuck shit. Mm. That's that's I've never heard that in the car. And you're right, Julian. They're going to steal it. They should steal it, you know, because but they're going to steal it because that's what they do. Yeah, that's what they've done to you and Sean and every all, you know, what do we owe? It's oh, see. okay, let me go back. So what was the last? um, um, Oh, come on. I had it right here. Another ignorant bliss podcast. Um, it was a conversation. I'm pulling it up. Hold on. From from here it is. From 19. Uh, excuse me. From 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 2015. Woo. Mm. September 25th. You and you and Ron Wimberly. Oh yeah yeah yeah. We have many talks. <laughs> this one. <laughs> This one, Julian, you should release it now because it is the same conversation, the same topics that the comics industry is having, co-opting language, right? Talking about how to talk about art, not just talk about what you like and don't like, right? Mm -hmm. You you both went on this thing about the gender identities of the friggin' Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, (laughs) It was this whole thing about like culture behind entertainment, publishers telling stories. Right. But not hiring the people to tell the stories. Right. Like you were you were covering topics that I think you even mentioned the 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 award show where Kanye said he was going to run for president. We're back here again. Yeah. Like. I listened to that episode, Drew. I was going to write you an email, and then this whole thing came out that we were going to do the podcast. I was like, "You need to release that episode again because it could it could be the it could be today's conversation." These arguments aren't old. I mean, new. They're not new. Yeah. You know, it's exactly what you said. the 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 gatekeepers are holding this industry the way it is. And I'll also say to go to podcasting and and Twitter and 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 websites, the people who talk about comics certain demographics or certain certain Twitter follower counts are also holding the industry the way it is and not allowing it to change because they just sort of want the same things too because it's safe for them because they have a voice 
And really, all that they're doing, and I think this was a point that Ron brought up in that episode, they're just being, they're just giving free advertising. So when you keep the industry the same and you're not talking, like we're doing this episode on our perspective of how the comics industry was shitty for a number of years, right? Yes. Is this going to, you think there's going to be a podcast like this on Word Balloon? <laughs> <laughs> not, you think iFanboy is going to do a podcast about this? No. And you no. can cut all that out if you don't want that out there. Because <laughs> you know I, how actually, I feel. I don't care. I know people <laughs> don't like me. Yes. And I cut them off because of what they said to me. Right. I ain't say nothing to them. You know what I'm saying? Like we, I thought we was Gucci, but I come Until to find out we ain't. In, into your direct messages and try to like you yeah. know, whap you with on the nose with a newspaper and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Or 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 also hit up somebody else on Twitter and say, Hey, can you get your, you know, why you got all your fans bothering me? Although that person says something very, very inept. Yeah. So let's call out bullying where it is. And let's call out the people who are holding this industry. It ain't always just you know, everybody always wants to just say, oh, well, Dan DiDio got fired, so everything's okay now. Well, what? Yeah. Well, you know, because the same people who are talking about comics are the same people who are promoting the same stuff. And 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 are they are they are they gonna wipe out all of Warren Ellis's stuff from here on out? You know, like are they gonna try to like, you know, so so you're you're right. It's there's a lot of gatekeeping going on on all different levels from 10,000 followers to the people who only got 2,000 followers. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is correct. And it, it, it spills over to everything else. And, you know, I, I don't want people to think that maybe, maybe some of the things I even said is just, just, just like not, res, not respecting what like these women have gone through in terms of what has happened, the power structures that be creates these situations and the gatekeeping and who gets to say what and do what and the lack of consequences is what would create these things. Mm -hmm. And as a black person, we always have to know about the consequences of every situation before we go into it to as much as our ability as much right. as our knowledge of things we can go. Mm-hmm. So when I, if I'm coming at you callous, it's because it's like if I go somewhere, I have to know exactly kind of who's going to be there and how I'm going to get out. All times. Yes. When I saw when I this is what I think there are certain times when I would, I would say things. Even back in the day, we would all meet up after the con, all the CGS crew, whatever. I noticed there were things that I would say that would have folks baffled, especially white folks. Like, they didn't understand. And the black folks, I knew, got it, but they also didn't talk about it because they would talk about being a fan or talking about the comics. I love the comics all day. But I was reading X-Men and they were still cracked being sold in the hood. Mm-hmm. I can separate those two things very, very well. X-Men didn't represent me totally. No matter how much I can relate. 
So me coming from that type of a space, I've always been like, and also I was never picked on for comics. Right. Like I don't understand these things. So I'm coming at you with the places like I just want to make things like I had a goal and I had certain dreams. Now with 40, there's certain things I have to deal with that I might not get a chance to do. And I had to get a get a shot at it. It's not because I didn't try. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that road for us is always harder. It's it's all it's always tougher. You know, and like it to the point where it's like you can exhaust yourself just trying to get to like the first floor. You you know, like in, in Julian, you know this because I share all I share all, all my business stories with you. You know. Hell, it took me 13 years to get representation. 13 years. 13. Oh, yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you, Peter. I appreciate that. And the thing is. The representation didn't happen because of comics. It happened because I did a, um, for two reasons. One, I did, I worked with uh, Courtney Hahn on a pitch for a, for a middle grade graphic novel during the whole hashtag pit mad, which I was pitching that to agents for two years. And then on top of that, I started writing prose for Capstone. And I wrote a lot of kids prose for Capstone over like the last two years. And like those things got the attention for me to get representation as opposed to the comic book industry where it's like, yeah, like I've worked in it. I've worked from all these different angles, have held all these different jobs um, you know, I've been a creator, I've been a president, I've been a vice president, I've been, you know, I've been a director of digital development, I've been a diamond liaison, I've done everything. But the comic book business was like, yeah, man, fuck you. And it's yeah. just like, yo, I can't keep, I was, seriously, like, I was like, I can't keep doing this, you know, because they're like, oh, you do it for the love. No, the love don't pay my bills. <laughs> My nine to five pays my bills. If like, because people are like, well, when when are you going to go freelance? When you when are you going to you know just you know do this as as the, as a job? I'm like, do y'all understand how hard this shit is for us? Like, like man, if if I'd have, if I'd have, like quit my job and said, you know what, man, I'm writing comics full time, I would be dead or homeless. Yeah. Like y'all don't fuck with us like that. Y'all don't. Y'all don't fuck with us until we are popular because then you don't have to do the work. We end up doing the work for you off our names alone. Y'all let these white dudes, these, so many of these mediocre white dudes just build from like the bottom floor, fail on multiple series. And then when it finally clicks, they're like, look at this superstar. Look at this young gun, young gun, 45 years old. <laughs> fuck out of here. You know, and and no, this isn't the wine talking either. This is like this is not the wine talking. Let me be clear. So like they are allowed to fail on like multiple, 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 multiple times. Whereas with us, we got one shot. We got one shot. We fail. It's over. Yeah, that's what it feels like. You get it, it's it's the Eminem song. I get one shot. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't miss your chance to blow. Period. You know, 
And then I didn't mean to, you know, take it, you know, to take it on that tangent. It's just, it's just frustrating. Like, so now like my path is different. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's different. Like I got an agent that listens. I got an agent that's like, yo, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is the door I'm going to try to open for you. This, you know, you know, write your pros too, because I can take this and see if we can sell this, you know? And it's just like, there are doors that like, there, there are now doors I wish I had when I was like in my late twenties, early thirties. Now I know a lot of people didn't blow up. A lot of people didn't blow up till their forties. And people are like, well, Jack Kirby didn't, didn't blow up until he's like 40 something years old. I'm like, mm-hmm. he didn't make the Marvel time. universe until he was 40 years old. He exactly. already had Captain America. He already made romance comics. Now Vera Wang, that's a different story. Correct. <laughs> that, that shit is amazing. I don't, I don't care if you like fashion or not. You got to respect that shit, but you um, damn right. You damn right. So like, it's just, it's different for us. And like so many of these white folks don't understand it, you know, and even some of the people, not, not all of them. And then let me be clear. I have to put this preface on here. Not all of them, but like a lot of the, cause like a lot of the, you know, people of color or women and it's a lot of white women, it's not a lot of women of color in these businesses don't understand the black plight either. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't, you know, so like it's exhausting, it's tiring. And, you know, and so like now I understand why like a lot of brothers and sisters move on to different fields. You know, they told, you know, the comic book business told LaShawn Thomas to fuck off. So now he's got his own animation studio. You know, doing big oh, is things. Oh, that Cannon Busters? Yep. Yeah. Oh, I got yeah. that first issue. I bought it, 2004, San Diego. Mm. That was a great series. I, I loved watching that on Netflix. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing, you know, he's doing big things. You know, he's doing real big things. So, and like the thing is, and like, so like we end up hopping over into different fields. Like real talk, if I would have known, if the opportunity to write kids pros had opened up for me years ago, I probably wouldn't have even been making comics like in 20, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, you know? And even then I got the kids pro, I got, I started writing kids pros for Capstone on a whim because I put my name in a database like three years before. And, and like they, when an editor found my name and said, hey, you want to pitch, you know, you, you want to write for us? Send us some samples, you know? Which led to, which led to paid work. So, yeah, man, yeah. Sorry, I just it's it's just it's just fr- it's just so frustrating because like when you when you see that dude going back to where we started, when you see that dude put out that tweet once again, it's just that singular lens. It's just that singular lens, and that's what we've been having to deal with with forever. Is the singular lens whereas we have to be visible of everything they don't have to be because they don't you know they just don't have to be they don't have to and that's why the business yeah because they're going to be okay and that's why the business is where it is right now on all levels yeah do you know who I am? Do you know how to dress? Come on, man. Just <laughs> that just took out to me. That whole story is terrible. What happened is bad. But I'm going yeah. like, you going to walk up to... You, man, you write comic books, bro. Yeah, exactly. Nobody knows who you are. 
People ain't know who people sounded like until the podcast era started. Word. They just finding out what people look like because now everybody's doing Zoom call podcast video podcast on YouTube all the time. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. I said, you know, everybody's arguing about putting the names on the front covers of comics. I'm saying, be like theater. Get your faces in there. I didn't know Ken Lashley was black. I did not either till I saw him in real life at the at the <laughs> tales. I, oh, he was black the whole. T- I didn't know Brian Stillfreeze was uh black until I saw him. I was oh, like, yeah. mm. I had all his like Marvel cards. I was like, oh man, he fire. I remember, I remember Sean, you and I talking about JLA Detroit, and you and I said something about Chuck Patton drawing himself in the comic. He's black. He was black. Yeah, he's black. He's still black. He's still alive. So, oh yeah. And you were like, Chuck Patton's black. Yeah, that blew my mind, dog. Like for real. Like that blew my mind. I'm like, where he go? You know, it's because like he wasn't on that book forever, and like my mind was blown to know that. It's just like, wow. Like I want to know, I want to know these things. Like I want it. Like Greg, we're talking about, uh, you know, my podcast about Legion. Like, and Greg LaRoque is 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 Asian or Polynesian. He's, he's uh, uh, what is he? Jesus, I forget now. Filipino, I can't remember. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. He drew a self portrait of himself. He looks like a white man <laughs> in the comic. I was like, what? <laughs> There's a reason why. See, this, this people don't want to. You both of you, it must have it must have come out from culture trapping where you were like, you know what? I'm tired of people saying that the X-Men is all about the struggle of 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 ethnic and people of color when you don't put people of color on the damn book to write about it. Right. Like right. I, like when you one of you said that on culture trapping, it's probably me because that's one of my big things now. Like, yeah, you always like talk I, about this, but like you've never had anybody write the book who's been hated and feared. And I don't want to hear this about. Yes, there's been people who've been gay who worked on the title. It hasn't been that long. It wasn't a long run. But it's, yo, y'all seen the video. Yo, the Sentinels is real for us. Mm-hmm. Like, that is not a joke. And they've nope. never had that. Right. They've never and, had that. And, you know, representation matters. There's a reason why one of my favorite artists is George Perez. There's a reason why one of my favorite artists is Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, mm-hmm. right? There's a reason why one of my one of my soft spots in comic art is Ernie Cologne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like these, yes, they're brilliant artists, but they're also people whose names I've recognized. So get some faces in there so I can help support some of these other people too. Like I think the whole back cover should be nothing but co- but credits and and faces of people so that you can flip the book and go who's working on this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yo, did you know that Paris Collins is black? I did know that. Actually, yes I did cuz he Paris does some um small hotel conventions right outside of Philly every now and then. Okay. And they I think they sh- they showed his picture and I think one time I was like, that's where I learned it. I was like, oh no, I didn't know that. Blue Devil. Ah. And Blue Beetle. Like, that's right. Yeah, like how I read that book every fucking month. Like, like that was that was my jam. I think I don't know why, but I think somewhere along the way, maybe because he drew a portrait of himself. Like in because we're going back in the 80s, right? There's no podcasting, no internet. You don't know what these people look like unless you're maybe their pictures in like Amazing Heroes or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But like for some reason I knew Dennis Callen was black. Right? Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. I, I think because he did like a self-portrait or something like that. But you know, 
you could get a sense of who these creative teams were by their names. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're right, Julie, when, they, when they start hitting the, the image universe and wizard starts putting out these pictures of these faces and you got Will Portacio and you got, you know, one of the things that's always interesting, I think Sal said this to me, said this on our show one time where he was like, you know, Marvel and DC are farming out these Brazilian artists and these these Spanish artists. I'm talking from Spain, you know, uh, Portugal. They're they're getting they're bringing on all these people because they know they can get them cheaply. Yes. Right. So it feels like there's representation, but it's coming from these countries where they know they can offer them work at a much lower rate than what they should be getting, which was Sal's mm. point. And Buzz was always big on that, too. Yes. Like, you know, that's why he went into advertising and I went in, you know, cause he was like, I, I mean, I'm going in the comics game. I'm going to go broke if I go into comics. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I feel like, you know, the name was, I knew who Will Sportacio was because of Wetworks, because, because the name and the picture was out there. Right. Jim Lee, you could say Jim Lee too, back then, you know, like the names were out there. The, fi- the faces were out there. And um, uh, oh, who was the X Factor artist uh, who then, uh, Larry Stroman? Larry Stroman. Yeah. He was yes. the only one, the only black artist I knew outside the Milestone people when I was younger because his picture was in them early image in the early Wizards because mm-hmm. that's what X Factor was like. Yo, they were selling, all the X books were selling crazy numbers. So it's like, all those people. <laughs> and mm. then I was like, oh, I was like, oh, he coming out with his own book of image? He coming out with Tribe? Let me see that Tribe. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I swear, I mean, it does mean something. And, and, you know, Sean, like what you're talking about, about getting that chance, you know, like I think about my own experiences in theater, like, I don't want to be your number 10 on your list of people mm-hmm. to call when you want to direct a show, you know, when you want somebody to direct a show. Put me up where I belong. You know, stop giving your friends work because because that's what I'm waiting for. There's a lot of us in the theater world that we're waiting that once these auditions open up again and I'm not talking about community. theater. I don't work in community. I belong to the union. I'm mm. a professional theater Performer, director, and choreographer since 2006. And I've gone full-time in theater before I went union since 1999. So I'm not talking about you're just dabbling in community theater. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about professional theater here. Like, I'm looking. Who are – and I'm already seeing it in all these little Zoom conferences and all these things that theaters are trying to sell online. It's the same people. All the time. And you know what? There's people of color in it, but you know what? It's the same people they would have hired before Mm -hmm. because they don't want to take chances or they their scope is so limited. You know, I'm one of the few Puerto Rican directors out here in Philadelphia on this level. And and I haven't gotten any calls from theaters I worked at, from friends or anything yet. Like I'm, I'm keeping lists people <laughs> taking notes taking notes checking that shit twice <laughs> because you're saying one thing but you know it's just like that calendar that that reminder <laughs> i'm keeping that reminder going so i feel you i feel you the theater world and the comic world is so strangely similar 
because we're all freelancers, right? It's the creative arts, man. It's the creative yeah. arts. And then sometimes I really think what can help comics and will help all creative arts if people d- wasn't so narrow in their focus. Like, mm-hmm. if people actually respected or even looked in or talking to people who do other things that are creative. Some of the ideas that they got talk about aren't crazy because you just need to spend some time hearing about the history of the music industry and the show business industry. You learn about that. You'll learn about morality clauses real easy. Mm-hmm. Or how they divide up the ownership of a project. People talk about things like, you can't do that. It was like, well, they do it in, in music publishing. They do they do it on a song. And I know your comic book only says 12,000, but like, song reached millions of people for three minutes. Mm. And it cost us in the comic book. If I was musically inclined, I don't know why the hell I would be doing comics. I would just make songs all day. But that's because they want, like you said, they want to they want to hold on to those safe spaces that they got. They want to lo- hold on to the chain, diamond comic retailers, this small ass chain. They don't want to open it up to digital. Mm, they don't want to open. They don't want to open it. Oh, that's a mess. Yeah, you Oof. know, like, but but it's the same thing you're talking yeah. about. It's gatekeeping. It's not wanting to learn, and that's why you got to get the voices in there because you know what they might actually teach you how to market your product or you might be able to sell your product a little bit more because of a name you don't think you don't think i don't know that when a theater company hires me that they're not going oh good we got a person of color on our directing staff i know they're using me for that you know we're not stupid mm. i had a, a a producer tell me oh you know you're my diversity quoting mm. I know that. And you know what? If that means I'm going to get hired, hire me. I know what game you're playing because I get it. Like, I know. I'm not stupid. So, you know, get these creators on these books. Get their names on it. I'm going to buy it. Do I need to read another uh, shit? Who Do I Do I really need to read another Dan Jurgens comic? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like Dan Jurgens. I don't need to read another Dan Jurgens comic. Do I really need to read another Marv Wolfman comic? You know, get some names. Get some names. Yeah, make it a little bit easier than having to, to circle back, to having to try to fit out and, and have a drink with a person to say, like, hey, do you remember my name? Or do the, or having having the guy, I gotta be honest, having a friend that's on. And having them introduce you over and over again. Yep. Like, people introduce me to people. I'm not sitting there like, hey, Ron, introduce me. Hey, Tom, introduce me. And it's like, man, let me in. I'm going to introduce you to this person. And I'm like, they're going to forget me. You're going to do this again in three months. Mm. It's like it's not even like people don't try, you know what I'm saying? There's been times we all been around and I mess with people. I'm like, yo, Sean, this person's blase blah. This person didn't give me the light of day, but they remember me, right? They friendly. Yeah. We chopping it up. <laughs> you know, people send me comics. 
I had a, somebody came up with something. Like, you got so many comics, you ain't. like, I ain't paid for half of them. <laughs> this is, I'm not yeah. even a reviewer of comics, Peter. I don't review comics. You listen to my show. You never hear me sitting there like, oh, in this issue of blah, 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 this happens. And then, all right. Like, no, man. Like, that's not my bag. Like, but yeah, like, it's, yeah. It's it's a mess, and I hope it improves. But sadly, I'm old enough that I don't know if I have that much hope. Yeah. Same. You you know, I always say, I, I was never somebody who podcasting for me was never a stepping stone to something else like so many other people i never wanted to get into podcasting so that i I could then go write a comic that was never i i'm a terrible writer i know where my limits are (laughs) and and i was i'm always more interested in the in the analysis more than i am the 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 books themselves but you know one thing i should have done i should have become i should have done some kind of like i should have been like a, a an, a, a talent scout or an agent or manager. I, especially like sort of like the height of going to all these conventions and meeting all these people. Like, cause I tried it. I remember one time I sent, um, uh, uh, her name's, uh, Layla Del Duca. Um, she, how did I come across, I think at Denver comic-con or, or through like the Indie Spinner Act podcast or something like that. And really liked her work. Now she did one of those DC uh, young author books. Yeah. Like eight, ten years later, you know. And and I remember one time talking to Ross Ritchie at Boone Studios and loved Ross. Ross was a good guy. And we we're just talking, we we're on the floor, I think, at Heroes Con, and he was talking about something, and and Black Coat came up. And and Francesco Francavilla's name came up and Ross was like, oh, I love that. You know, he's, I really like that guy's art, blah, blah, blah. He was at the floor. I said, well, he's right over there. Let's go. And he and entered and they shook hands. And like, sure enough, about a year, six months later, Francesco Francavilla is doing work for Boom Studios. Like I always felt like that's where I really wanted. I think that's where my energies could be uh, could have been useful because I loved finding people who were new to the game and whose work was raw, but you knew there was talent there and bringing them on the podcast and talking to them and, and not always being the same, you know, it's not the same old white guys, you know, like just trying to mix it up and look around. And I really like that. That's the one thing if I ever was going to go into the industry, but this industry is so scared of unionizing and, and so scared of, of having, um, accountability, you know, but they're, they, they have representation when it comes to the original art game. So I don't understand why they don't have the Sean is like you said, like representation for themselves. Mm-hmm. There's only a very small handful that does most of it's done through their lawyers. So that was, that would be one thing like looking back, like, I feel like that could have been an interesting angle to try to take. Yeah. I, I think that, I think you would have done well. There was a period of time when, like, you knew so many of the people. Yeah, you could have, you shoot, he always, boom, owed you money for that right there. They should have <laughs> kicked you back a finder's <laughs> fee, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how sometimes how people, people secretly help the industry make connections or like great works or whatever. Like, people out there just like, Backseat editing, 
And then you find, and then you like hear about the editors and like, yo, what what are y'all actually doing? Like, if I gotta talk to somebody and explain to them like the history of of X character, and I hope nobody says this is me talking about me and Tom. I've done this with a whole bunch of other people too, because they're like Julian, you know all this stuff, because they might have heard me on CGS. Talking about all that Grant Morrison. Talking about Grant Morrison, <laughs> making it make sense. And I'm like, yo, what about this guy? I'm like, well, this guy, blah, 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 blah. blah. This is what the themes were. Because most people don't get into themes. But I think something, yeah, you know, that's a whole different, that's a different, but I'm just saying like. It's dramaturgy. It's the yeah. same thing in theater. It's dramaturgy. It's getting somebody in there who can talk about a certain period of time or certain characters or or the way the world was at a certain period. I mean, that's, that's exactly what that is. And it's just like, secretly, this is happening. And it's like the, the publishers and the people aren't recognizing that this is happening. And sometimes all they got to do is just probably ask the people like, oh, yeah, because you guys are too busy to explain to them the characters or what's going on for the pitch. Then you know what? Maybe you guys got the money, especially you big companies. You got the money. Pay some people. That's their job. Sit down with people and explain to them because you know what's happening in other forms of media. Yep. I'm watching Perry Mason. You think they ain't pay somebody to sit down with these guys to talk about Perry Mason? They probably did. They usually hide it under consultant, or it's like even even producer. Yeah. Yep. You know? yeah. Yes. It's. Just, I feel that way about editor. I think. I think the word editor really is just. It's just nepotism nowadays. You know, they hire their girlfriends. They hire their best friends. They hire people that they know when give me old school editors that knew something about art and who could look at, you know, maybe because they came from the commercial world or something like that and could look at your cover and go, that's a piece of shit. Look, the line don't flow here. The eyes don't go where, what am I supposed to look at? Like I need editors to not be just glorified schedule keepers. Yeah. Project managers, project man. Yeah. They need, yeah. Like, because I mean, it's a whole other topic. Yeah, but it's like, it's like, it, yeah, but that but it bothers me because it's like, like listening to like your shows or stuff, or like people talk about like, man, like Mark Grunewald, man, he could Archie Goodwin, like you hear about these things, and like even some of the old old guys you know are assholes. But man, not only are they gonna tell you what's what's going on in the character, what they need you to do, they're gonna give you the whole background. They're going to yes. let you know this is what we did and this is why and this is what this story is about. What, what's the story about um, the Dark Phoenix saga? She was going to live. And he was like, oh, hell no. She killed the whole... She committed <laughs> genocide. She got to go. She got to die. <laughs> she got to pay. Because this is not what we selling to these kids. And it's like, that ain't going to happen today. That ain't going to happen today one bit. They're going to be too worried about the selling the extra covers. Ugh. But yeah, man, com- comics is interesting. As we digress, I think it's time to wrap up. I want to yeah. thank you guys for being on the show. Uh, Peter, let, let folks know what else you, you do and, and where they can find you if you want people to find you, you know, since you took in the back seat in the world a bit. <laughs> they can go to thedailyreels.com. 
Uh, I am not some fly-by-night podcaster. I've been here since March 2005, people. <laughs> the first 12 uh, months act- of podcasting. In real life. Actual first 12 months of podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> ever. Before it dropped on iTunes. That's Woo. right. Like, that's crazy. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, the dailyrisk.com. I think this is my... I just celebrated my eighth year with the Daily Reels, my oh, own podcast. Congratulations. It's not been consistent, but you know mine ain't. You know mine ain't. And I talk about a whole bunch of stuff, you know, on there. You can follow all my podcasts there. And then uh, my my Twitter is Peter J. Rios. I don't got the blue check, but I know what the hell I'm talking about. That's for sure. Sean, let's let, let people know, even though you've been on here enough, you never know. People might you might not know. Who knows, man? I don't know. Word. Um, you can find me on Twitter at um at S H A W N R P R Y O R at Sean R. Pryor. Um, if you want to pick up uh some books I've written or created or collabed on, you can go to SeanPryor.com. That'll take you straight to my Amazon page because a brother does not have time to build a website. If you do not want to shop at Amazon, that's okay. Just find out what books I write from there and go somewhere else. I will not be offended. Um, and then from there, um, you can also go to gumroad.com slash crown taker studios. I have some um like uh, some digital comics that aren't available anywhere else but right there, including um, The Fire Within, a story about domestic violence. Um, my uh, always my, my, my dream comic, as I, I would like to say, I always wanted to write Power Rangers. So I got with uh, artist George Cambadays and uh, Julian came in as editor and um, a couple other talented people joined along. We did a Power Rangers comic called Total Eclipse. Um, it's fire. Um, you should check it out. All this is for free, by the way, um, as well as uh, next week, you will be able to get a Flintstones mini comic called The Pebbles Problem uh, for all those uh, 80s kids that grew up watching Barney trying to steal Fred's Fruity Pebbles. Um, I decided to write a comic as to why Barney tried to steal all of uh, Fred's Fruity, Fruity Pebbles all the time. And um, it's a dark comedy and it's it's short. But uh, you'll love it. It's written by me with art by Bryce Okoye, uh, colors by Melissa, Melissa Caprione, and uh, letters by Justin Birch. So uh, that'll be available next week on the Crown Taker Studio, uh, gumroad.com slash Crown Taker Studios. I also have a Patreon, um, patreon.com slash Sean Pryor, where you can actually get that Flintstones comic right now if you if you sign up for my Patreon. So um, because they get it first because they, they they support brother and give a brother bread. So uh, so there it is. So, yeah, that's that's how you can um, you can see me. You can also see me on the culture or hear me on the culture trapping podcast mm-hmm. with, the homie, with the homie Julian, with Daryl, with Gil. And um, and I always have fun on that show. And like, you know, it's nice to, um, you know, not not really like podcasting like I used to be, but to be with them, with with all of us together to podcast still is a wonderful thing. And, and, and Peter, you're right. Like, yo, man, we've been out here for a long time, fam. And like there's so much revisionist history when it comes to comics, when it comes to podcasting and stuff like that. And like, I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again. CGS gave us a platform when nobody wanted to even talk to us. Like in the early two thousands, like y'all gave Julian a platform. Y'all gave me a platform. Y'all gave Martheus a platform. Like, Y'all gave uh, Jeremy uh, 
Jeremy Burley or Burley. You get like y'all y'all gave like black folks a platform. Lori Thomas, like Daryl, like y'all gave us a platform. Y'all gave us a platform, you know, and, you know, so I want to say thank you because like because like when it came to comics podcasting and like and for folks like us trying to get a foot in that door y'all really supported us even when the business didn't y'all supported us and and i can't say thanks enough oh cool i appreciate that you know it all comes back julian your 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 show is is a model of what i've been wanting to do for a long time i keep listening to you Derek carrots and other people but really like you reaching out to to people and and bringing on you know other black creators or any any people of color like I've been I've been saying it for so long that I've been wanting to do it and I haven't done it, but I keep listening to you do it and and that's why I went back and listened to those early episodes. I think people need to listen to those because the conversation is real, it's smart, um, it's not just people just getting on here and just laughing and making jokes. Um, it's a real template for giving people voices and and I hope I can get back into that game because. Because it, I would love to follow in your footsteps with that kind of stuff. Hey man, well I thank you for supporting the kind words, and I ain't gonna lie, if you y'all didn't tell me to come to come on, talk about some what it because it wasn't it was it was Grant Morrison Batman I believe right like if that didn't happen a lot of things wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have started the sh- I wouldn't have been on there I wouldn't have started the show that whole Morrison kind of thing wouldn't have happened. Like, I appreciate, I appreciate you a lot, Peter. Oh, thanks. Like, yeah, like a lot of stuff happened. Like for, yeah, Sean said that platform, that community. And uh, I don't, I don't want, I don't want people to forget what Comic Geek Speak was as a podcast and comic space when there was no geek space in podcasting. Mm. There was no such thing because it was all tech nerds anyway. Yeah. Um, but people forget that. They think about things now. And it, no, things didn't just start like four or five years ago. They started 2004. And with the and you're right. It was like March 2005. You guys had, y'all guys had an episode up. And I had an iPod when people didn't have iPods. And I was finding the ways to get these episodes on that joint. And I was listening. <laughs> I was episode six was the first time I, I still remember the first episode, but yeah, like, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. And, and thanks for listening and for saying that. Cause that's what I'm trying to, that's what I always wanted to do with the podcast. If I'm going to talk by myself, you know, like there has to be a reason for me to talk. And a lot of people ain't talking about, they're not talking about things as, as deft as they could be. They just don't. They don't really yeah. get deep into what what making stuff is, and they could they could do better. And people could take out. I said what I said. They could take however they want to take it. It's yeah. Twenty twenty. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 